This is a Hot Pie Media original. Hello and welcome to the Amy Edwards Show. I'm your host, Amy Edwards. Who do we have an episode today? Uh, I am emotional. We just finished wrapping the interview and it's Jade Bryce on today. And Jade has such a powerful story of her life story, of the work that she's done, and just of who she is. And it brought up a lot in me today. A lot. So much that I'm I'm barely keeping it together not to cry right now. Can you hear it in my voice? <laughs> anyway, she's she's just an incredible person. She's been um, a UFC and Bellator ring girl. She um, hosts the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. She is a mindset and relationship coach. She is just a healing being. And it is such, such a badass interview. So get ready for that. We're going to jump right in. I want to say thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to be able to do this, to share these voices, to learn from people and just keep rising up together. So uh, let's get to the show today. And don't forget to follow, rate, review, subscribe, share. If somebody comes up in your thoughts, that means there's probably something in here for them. Share it with them. And, uh, and you know, we're just continuing to spread that good, right? Ripple effect, for sure. Let's get to the show. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If something is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, maybe you're not even sure what it is. BetterHelp is here to help. They can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating right away. I mean, in under 48 hours. That's fast. It's professional therapy. It's done securely online and it has a broad range of expertise available, which oftentimes we can't find in our own town, right? It's so cool that we can do so much online these days. It's available worldwide as well. So no matter where you are, you can log in anytime to your account and send a message to your therapist, getting timely and thoughtful responses. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you don't ever have to like make the trek there, make the trek home, sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, all that stuff that can tack on to just the experience of getting therapy. BetterHelp is completely committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches too. So if you feel like you're with somebody and it's not quite a fit, guess what? You can change therapists for free quickly. Nobody's feelings hurt if you need to. They really, truly mean it about living a better, happier life today. Visit their website, read their testimonials that are literally posted up there daily. Every time I go on to read one of these, I'll like peruse them really quick. And I mean, they're always brand new ones. It's betterhelp.com. That's H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash reviews. And if you are ready to try it, well, guess what else? There is a 10% discount for listeners of the Amy Edwards Show. So simply go to betterhelp.com slash A-E-S, Amy Edwards Show. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And you can join over the 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced licensed professional. Again, that's 10% off for listeners of The Amy Edwards Show. It's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash A-E-S. Oh, you guys, I am teary today. I have turned out emotional. Jade said it's the moon. 
So it's, but I don't, I don't really know. It's me. I think I'm not sure. So before we get to the amazing and incredible Jade Bryce interview today, which I'm very, very excited to share. Uh, just want to talk for a few minutes. So in the interview, I tell her that I had a bit of a breakdown this morning and she had a breakdown last night and into the morning. And so she really goes deep on that and what that was about for her. And mm, hers is really something. If you're not watching, I'm like tearing up. I cried when she told it. And I think I was just, you know, already had my emotions at the surface. They run pretty high anyway, because I tend to let them out, which I think is a good thing. So if, you know, if you feel emotional when you listen to this today, I encourage you to just pause the show, cry for a minute, let it, let it out. Don't turn something else on, sit there with it. So today, what happened for me? was I threw a little fit in my mind. Something came up that ruffled my feathers and it was related to social media. And social media can bring up in me a lot of worthiness. That's one of my, that's been one of my big struggles. And it, it stems way back to childhood to my best friend in elementary school, who we've talked about periodically on the show and, or not her. I'm, I don't mean it like that. I mean, um, my emotions that went on back then due to that relationship and the formative years. And I think that it just caused me to always keep having these things come up around worthiness and it's work that I continually have to do. So I think the point of what I'm saying today too, is that I'm not perfect at it. I have to keep doing the work at it. It is a practice. And I think that the more we practice it, then the more we are able to really get back into alignment with where we desire to be and that God in us, that good in us, that light in us. We're better able to align. And then as you're better able to align, you're sitting in that space. And that's where the good stuff really flows in, like manifestation and a beautiful, happy, peaceful life. So what came up for me? Um, just dumb social media bullshit, like comparison. Um, it, it really got triggered when someone didn't follow me back. And we were having sort of this back and forth conversation and stuff. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, it just made me feel like, oh, here I am again, not good enough, you know? And it's, it's that, it's a recurring theme for me. And so I go and, and, and then, and then it came up in other ways too, all social media related. And I was just like, just feeling not good enough, feeling like I'm never good enough. Right. When those little things come up, little things, those big things come up. So I was like, I better tell Justin this because I was feeling really ruffled and, and it was just all coming up. So I tell him and it's never a, like a clear emotion. It's like a bunch of different emotions at the same time. And I had like some anger and all this different shit that was thrown around. And so 
I'm telling him and he's talking to me about it. And as I'm telling him, I start to do my own work around it, you know, and I'm like, actually, maybe it's me feeling like I'm not good enough. And then he's like, maybe. And I'm like, right, maybe. And then he said something about something kind of unrelated and just trying to make me feel better, really, and saying some good things that were going on in my life. And he mentioned a star, the word star and something about star. And it immediately I start crying and uh, it comes up why I like stars. And I like stars. I've talked about this and on um on a podcast before but I don't think I've done it on this particular show yet so I'll just lightly tell you but when I was on the dance team in high school they would give a star every week to like the star performer you know and they'd highlight someone when you were out on the field and you know you'd walk out to do your dance and at the beginning they would recognize the officers and they'd step forward and do their salute and then that was if you're watching on YouTube that was it like they'd do this little salute and then they would uh, announce the star every week it was always a surprise and I was on the dance team for three years finally quit um which was a good decision for me <laughs> because, um, because anyway, I feel like every single person on the entire dance team got the star except me. I never got it. And I always thought, you know, I would work really hard and try to do well and keep a good attitude and all those kind of things. And, um, and never got recognized, you know, and it hurt and it made me sad. And I would tell my mom and my mom was like, would buy me things with stars, you know, to make me feel better. And I was like, you just, you know, you want to like be recognized sometimes. And, um, and sometimes those little things, you know, it felt like, um, these people, I knew them and I'd been doing it for years and it just felt kind of like, I don't know, just hurtful, right? It just hurt my feelings. And, then here we are today. And these little things just hurt my feelings. And, and really it hurts my feelings because then I feel like, yeah, I'm not good enough, you know, and you keep going and stuff. And, and then you can just have those little unworthiness things come up. So I'm thinking about it. Right. And I'm thinking, well, at least I've got something to talk about on the podcast today <laughs> and, and maybe something that people can relate to. And I thought, man, I, I keep, I, this recurs with me. I hate that. I hate that about myself. And right then I caught myself. And I mentioned this in the conversation with Jade today. And I caught myself right then. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, I don't want to hate something about myself. I want to love the things about myself. Even the things that aren't that pretty. Even the things that uh, maybe I don't necessarily want to look at. Even the things that cause me pain. <laughs> I want to be able to look at them and love them. And I also want to be able to change them. And part of changing it is recognizing it. Part of changing it and changing the story, reframing it if you need to, um, is just an awareness. And if you want to step even past awareness, then you're aware of it and then you're able to love it. You're able to love that, that girl or that child. Jade does a lot of inner child work. And we talk about that today. And we talk about actually loving that, loving that person, giving them the love that they need right then, you know, giving them the recognition. So I may have a visualization in order where I give myself a star, right? 
I don't think I've ever done that. And so I find that kind of interesting. Can you find those spots when you say, ugh, and instead look at that and say, I'm not going to push that away. I'm not going to be um, hard on myself about that. Instead, I'm going to love it. And I'm not, you know, another challenge for me is just not developing a chip on my shoulder about those things. And it's funny too, that this even came up for me this morning because the past, I would say three days, I have been in this phenomenal mood. I have been so happy, just happy in my soul. Justin's podcast this week on Overcome is a solo cast, although it was me and him talking, but he shares what we did this last weekend and we made progress in Fight for the Forgotten on building a hospital, like major progress. And not only that, we had other good things happen. I just was happy. I was just happy. And I was happy. Uh, I was thinking that just a couple of days ago in the morning, I was like, I'm just so happy. And then it's like your mind goes to these places to find something to be unhappy about. Hmm, what can we do? What can we, where can we like find a little something? Because there are actually chemical addictions that go on in our brain that enjoy that stress, that enjoy these frictional moments, these mm, hard things that come up within us. We like that. So we like it because we get, we get addicted to that stress in our brain. Joe Dispenza talks about it in Becoming Supernatural. Fascinating book. Took me like a year to get through, but it's worth it. So we can become addicted to, to those little stresses and those uh, fights with others, fights within ourselves, the fear, the anger the little tantrums like I had today. And I have to admit there was a little high that I got with it, a little something up here. And so I had to pay just attention to it and say, that's not where I want to be. That's not where I want to live. And also though, can I change it? Can I love it? Can I not get a chip on my shoulder about it? Like, oh, I'll show them or whatever it is. Nah, <laughs> pass. You know, I really had to just spend some time to recalibrate and say, no, I live in love. And I walk the walk of what I talk about. I know. And, you know, I share a ton of this. I don't know if you follow me on TikTok. I'm at the magic babe, but I share a ton of this on TikTok too. And somebody commented on my TikTok the other day and said, some man, of course. <laughs> and he was like, I'd venture to say that you don't believe what you preach. And I was like, wow, he, he gathered that from, he, he, he gathered that opinion from a, literally watching me probably eight seconds on TikTok. Mm. So, I mean, I commented back and said, you would be very, very wrong. <laughs> but at the same time, you know what? I really, really do walk the walk. And if I'm going to, what does that mean? It means that when these things happen, I get to that awareness space. I'm willing to love it and I'm willing to put in the work to get to 
the real love spot, the I am the love, that part. So speaking of somebody who's done that work, that is our guest, Jade Bryce today. Jade is um, a master of energy work. And she is also a mindset and relationship coach. And she does a lot of work around the feminine and a lot of sexual practices. And one of her main practices is her pleasure practice, which we're going to get into exactly what that is. If you're curious, yeah, for women, there is a four foot divine conscious cock involved. Okay. Yes, I'm here for it. Yes. So I learned a lot. It triggered me in a lot of ways because this brings up a lot for me, not only around worthiness, but around just sexuality in general. Uh, Bijou and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago and I was saying how I, I, uh, I get reserved about that kind of thing a lot. And it's, um, it's a, a work in progress for me. So if you feel like it is for you too, you're going to love, actually, even if you feel like you are already all the way there, oh, I can guarantee you're going to learn something today from Jade. It's incredible. She's so gorgeous. She's been featured in magazines. She has millions of followers, millions of views. She has a podcast called Aptly Named, Untamed and Unashamed. She just released one with JP Sears. She is very outspoken to and honest. She's also a mom to two children. Anyway, she's a total badass goddess, everything. And so I am so stoked because even when she came in today, I wasn't really sure what we were going to talk about, but man, this has affected me personally. And I'm going to follow up about it with you guys. This has really affected my heart and shown me some things that I really, really, really need to work on. And so that's what it's all about. Great. Let me grow. I'm always wishing for growth. (laughs) Be careful what you wish for, right? So um, stick around till the end for today's, this week's affirmation. And let's get to it. If you want to find Jade, her older Instagram is called The Jade Bryce. And that was a lot of her you know, uh, ring girl stuff, playboy, all that kind of following. And she has started a new one now called Jade Bryce, B-R-Y-C-E, Jade, J-A-D-E, B-R-Y-C-E underscore sacred heart. And that is where a lot of her deeper work lives. And that is where you can reach out for her sacred heart sessions and you can work with her. And, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about working with her actually after, after this conversation today, I just, I just might, because it was that powerful. So, um, she shares a lot of practices today that I want to implement in my own life. And then she also shares her own experiences and something that recently happened for her, uh, recently meaning, you know, within the last eight hours and it, um, is really, is really something. So really, really um, transformative. And the way she handled it is really beautiful. And there's a lot to take away for your own life in this. So big thanks to Jade. Be sure and follow her at Jade, uh, Jade Bryce underscore Sacred Heart. And, um, and of course, un- Untamed and Unashamed podcast. And big, big thanks to her. Stick around till the end and we have a little wrap up. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you to Jade. All right. So what... Uh, what was your nervous breakdown today? We're rolling, right? You're good. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> I'm so glad you had one too, honestly. Yeah. So I'll have to, maybe you should go first because I'll have to go into the, I worked till 3.30 in the morning last night. Doing? So, um, I Well, I, I have like four jobs. What are your four uh, jobs? I know you coach and yeah, podcast. So, well, I have a four and five, uh, sorry, a five and six year old. Yes. So that's a full-time job in itself. Um, and then- I have a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which is, as you know, of course, at least a part-time job in itself. And when you love it, it doesn't feel like a job, but it, hourly wise, it's, it definitely takes up the time. And then I coach, um, love, sex, relationship, mindset, Imago work, a lot of Imago work. What is that? So Imago is basically, it's like, I mean, it's like, a, I guess like uh, the therapy term for inner child work, yeah. but it's, um, I see your post and I read I read what you share about that and it's really really good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um so Imago work is basically why we're attracted to who we're attracted to, why we project our parents onto our partners, um what our triggers are, what our responses are in triggers. But not just in love. Like a waitress can come up to you and you just met her. That you're like, oh, she just rubs me in the wrong way. I don't mm-hmm. like her. But you just met her. Right. Um, <laughs> and basically, Imago is is connecting there that you had a three a babysitter when you were three years old that just walked the way she walked. So now you're projecting on this waitress that you just met. We do she, it all the time. Right. They could have one like facial feature right. that reminds you of that person. And Same you're instantly eyebrows. like, yeah. 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 So that's basically Imago work. Um, the work that I do with people um, when it comes to Imago strictly is a four week commitment because we go really, really deep and it layers and trauma is always released in it. Um, and what does that work look like? So typically in the first week, at least for me, in the first week, uh, it's mostly trust building because I need to provide a safe split space for them to be able to open up. So it's mostly me getting to know their imago without them realizing it really. Um, building trust, mm-hmm. um, feeling where they're at in their ability, like where they're at as far as how deep they can go at this time in their lives. Uh, the second meaning like reaching into their own vulnerability. Yeah. Have they ever, I've had clients that are in their fifties and have never meditated or prayed before. And I have clients in their twenties that are like, they've done all the psychedelics, you know? So, (laughs) so just gauging fast tracking that shit. (laughs) So just gauging where they're at so that I know, um, where to go from there, you know? Cause, um, the one thing I don't want to do is, take them so deep into their trauma when they haven't done any work yet prior to me and it's re-traumatizing, you know? So gauging where they're at there, that's all in the first week. Um, the second week, I walk them through some written exercises, so, some really deep visualizations of their childhood home, their experiences with their parents. A I've, lot of times- I've done a couple of those mm-hmm. and they're so incredible. Yeah. So I did one on myself last night and had a repressed memory come up, but- What? Um, yeah. So I'll wow. go into that, but um, okay. basically in that second session, something always comes up that they didn't remember. And that can be really intense. Sometimes people can shake. Sometimes people remembered it, but they didn't realize how much it impacted them. Uh, especially how it's impacting them today. So we go into this visualization and then we do a written exercise where we're writing down parts of the memories 
that came up that are really some uh, symbolic using like symbolism for uh what's going on in their lives today and what they're attracted to in their relationships today. A lot of us, until we do this work, are like, oh man, I'm just dating the same guy, the same girl over and over with a different face, you know? And so figuring out why that felt like home and why that felt safe when it wasn't, well, a lot of times we realize like, well, I needed this to, I needed to learn how to function in this. And now my mind thinks I need this to function. And so it's, um, oh wow! Yeah. So oh, I've never. I've not really thought of it like that. Yeah. So it's creating that new neural pathway where you're you're bringing that into your awareness, and you can say, "Nope, that mm-hmm. I don't need that to function now. I don't need chaos to function now. Stability is not boring now." And so creating that. Um, that's in the second session. The third session is basically um, stating and being super intentional and putting down on paper what you're available for, not just in relationship and in love, even if you're already married, being really clear on your boundaries or even with your work life, just really being intentional about what you're available for, what your boundaries are, what you're not available for, what your red flags and green flags are. Um, What would be something you're not available for? Well, you can do the givens like name calling or, um, yelling in front of the children. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Not available for that. Those are the givens. Yeah. 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 Um, but for everybody, it's really different. And a lot of times it's based off of your past relationships. It's how you learned what you're not available for, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, and also a really big visualization there. Again, it depends on where the person's at. If the person is new to this work, we do a very light visualization of, a five senses reality of what their dream life or dream partner would look like. Cool. If they've been deep in this work, we actually do like a divine fuck meditation where there's uh, <laughs> what's that? This divine masculine or divine feminine, and I'll use the divine masculine here. The divine masculine presence that you want to call in, and he has this four foot cock of consciousness <laughs> that like enters your body and we do this breath work that then he goes through each chakra and like removes what doesn't serve you but you're really paying attention to what he makes you feel what he embodies what characteristics he has all of these things and that's <laughs> that really helps with the I can't wait to tell Justin that yeah <laughs> it's not one of my Jay favorite told me practices I need the divine fuck from a four foot cock of consciousness yeah, it's actually be like oh I'm not intimidated at all no it's actually really <laughs> important when you're in a relationship because what does the male version of that look like? Sorry. Yeah. So the divine feminine can and can be, uh, it depends again on w- what the feminine has represented in his life. Uh-huh. Um, it's definitely not a four foot cock of consciousness, <laughs> no. but it's, it's this like watery flowy presence that's still very sexual and um, something that almost like he can lean upon. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to say. Yes. Sorry. In, I interrupted you. No, that's okay. Even sorry. in relationship, the four foot. Uh, cock of consciousness or the divine fuck practice is really important because we, the feminine is like eternal longing. Like we can't be filled up and our men can never give us all that we need. You know, like it's just, we want more and more and more. Even after sex, we want like the cuddling right after. Like, it's like, we can never be filled up. And the only place we can really truly be filled up is by the divine. So if we can come from that place of being like fucked open by the divine, being filled up by the divine, then we can come to our partner already in that place mm-hmm. and not needing them to fulfill every role for us where, you know what I mean? 
Do you um, have to do this often? Like, is it a practice? I guess I'm asking. Or is it something that you I, would encourage people to do once and maybe revisit? Oh, no, not over only once. Yeah. Um, at least not if you're like me, who is like in constant craving for um, being opened up. Yeah, to, yeah. You know, and, and experiencing God and experiencing the masculine. And um, I forget too, you know, yeah, I forget I need to We forget that that's a lot of what our longing is and mm -hmm. it just comes out in these other ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a pleasure practice every single morning for 15 minutes. Please tell me what that is. Yeah. Um, so I, I have a pleasure practice every morning. I haven't really heard that term of pleasure practice. I don't like the word masturbate because when you break it down, the Latin breakdown is to pollute with one's hand. And so that's, Stop it. Yeah. So that's just the cultural wow. programming that's disconnecting us from our own pleasure and our own bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So I know men don't feel resonant with the word pleasure practice so much. So I'm trying to come up with a word there. But for me, um, I have a pleasure practice every morning. It's 15 minutes. And I use a cervical wand. Okay. Um, so it's like a glass wand. It's um, pretty big. Okay. Uh, and I Great. use that. Um, I speak my intention or my mantra into it. What was it today? Um, you are worthy. I love so, it. Yeah. Today it was you are worthy. Oh, that's, that's my shit that came up today was worthy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I hold it against my womb. I speak my intention. I ask my body if it's um, ready to receive almost always says yes. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I insert my wand and, um, I start to speak my mantras and affirmations to my pussy. Like you are worthy. You are beautiful. Um, like do you your are kids know you're doing this. I do this after I drop them off at school. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, so <laughs> Just I seem like a good question, but like right when I walk in the door after <laughs> I drop them off at school, um, I go straight to it. Um, cause otherwise I, I likely won't yeah. do, do it. So, mm -hmm. um, the thing is, is I had so much sexual repression and sexual trauma. I had sexual assault as early as age three, all the way up to 14. And so all the sexual trauma, all the sexual assault, I was so disconnected from my body. And part of the um, story that I can tell you about that happened last night and this morning uh, was even to do with this. But so I had all of this repression and sexual shame and disconnect from my body that I really didn't work through until last year. And Eric Gossi was a big tool in that. I'm sure you you know Gossi. He's been on the show. Yes, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. I've interviewed him a few times as well. He's he's uh, one of my favorite guests. So uh, he helped me a lot through my sexual trauma, but I really, um, I was celibate for three months, even in relationship, just really like reclaiming my sexuality and mm -hmm. um, meaning celibate either, even with yourself. Mm -hmm, not yeah. For three months mm -hmm. last year. Uh, at that time, I couldn't even like say the word pussy. It felt, um, it, it, it felt like unnatural. It felt dirty. It felt, uh, it, it just, it didn't feel like me. It couldn't roll off my tongue. There was like a blockage there. So there was that, but I also had this, um, this, you know, it's cultural programming of, you know, the airbrushed, porn. And, you know, even when I, I've shot with Playboy over a dozen times, I was airbrushed in that. So to mm -hmm. be, have like your full whole self be shown and then to be like airbrushed to look not like you so much, that can like really mess with you as well. Um, and then just 
you know, our, our culture tells us that we stink, you know, that it's, there's all these like plastic surgeries, even for that area now, all these things. And I know I myself have a bigger, um, vulva than most women. And I remember women getting made fun of for that. And I remember once it like hit me like, oh, I am different. And I remember asking my aunt and she was like, well, maybe it's from your molestation. Like maybe they were too rough with you. And so then uh, in my twenties, I like mentioned it to my partner and he like, didn't want to talk about it. He was like avoiding the conversation. And so then I was like, literally looking into surgery and all this You're like, something's wrong with you. Yeah. Um, and then I was like dating this UFC fighter and we got put on this UFC site and they were all, because I just shot with Playboy, they were all talking about it. So there was like all these thoughts around why it wasn't beautiful. And, um, you know, even up to last year, I was feeling all these things and I wasn't able to say the word pussy. And then here now uh, at this time, I have a 15 minute pleasure practice every morning. And, um, I haven't, I haven't said this on the show yet, but I also, this is a part of me reclaiming this part of my sexuality. But like, after I have my pleasure practice, I, instead of like wiping off my pussy juice, I like put it on my perfume areas. And that's a part of me owning that I don't smell, that it's beautiful, that this is like, I love you. That this is, I love you. (laughs) I love how untamed and unashamed hell that is the right name for your podcast. (laughs) To me, this is very, um, it feels very magical. And to me, and honestly, since I've been doing it, my income has gone up 25%. So there's something to that. This is amazing. Yeah. I mean, go. Yes. Yeah. Wow. um, But to me, it's mostly for me, it's like, I am not ashamed. I love the way it smells. It's my perfume. And, um, but yeah, that's my pheromones. It's your fucking chemistry. So what I do with the cervical wand after I insert it, I start to breathe my intention up each chakra Mm -hmm. and I imagine a snake going up. So I have one snake coming from my root chakra connecting to like the crystal that uh, calls to me that day at the center of the planet for grounding. I have one snake going up my chakras. And then when I get to my crown chakra, I, um, Envision the snake like shooting out gold from its mouth, which is my intention, like out into the universe. Yeah. And that at that moment is when I put my clit sucker on and I orgasm to like manifest that. Like the womanizer or what is it? Uh, mine's not a womanizer, but it is the same thing. <clears throat> the same thing. Okay. Yeah. And my wand and my jade egg are from wands. Okay. W-A-A-N-D-S. And I think jade gets you like 20% off, which oh, cool. is a good chunk. Um, yeah. And uh yeah, so that's my pleasure practice. Um, well, so, okay, so as the snake gets up there, he speaks your, mm-hmm. he puts out the gold, mm-hmm. and that's your intention. And then you have an orgasm. And then, and then, and then as that happens, and I typically have like eight to 10 orgasms. Um, right then? Yeah, not right then, but in the next few minutes. Wow. Um, and then once I feel like, Okay, we can wrap this up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, cause you know, for, I love multiple orgasms. Like for me, it's like once you have one, like ne- less than three is never enough for me. But like once you hit three, you just want to like keep going. It's like, well, while we're here, you yeah. know, so once I feel like, okay, now we're good, we're at eight to 10, whatever, whatever number or wherever I'm at that day, then I start to just feel that like go back down through each chakra, back down into my body. And I just, um, for me, Especially with the cervical wand, there can be like some cervical orgasms, which feel really like 
you really do feel connected to the divine in that moment. I feel like waves through my body, through my legs. And for me, it just feels like a really um, strong embodiment practice. Like I can say that after that, I feel ready for whatever I'm going to do that day, like whatever coaching practice, whatever interview I'm going to have, I truly feel ready. And um, I also feel more playful. Like I, I feel more dancey, more singy, you know, um, I do always sing a song after too. Um, I sing a song as well with my drum. So it's a funny morning practice. It's very robust. (laughs) I'll say it really is. And I mean, of course you feel good. You just had like 10 orgasms. I mean, I've never done that ever. You you asked how often to do the divine fuck. Um, which I believe Osho came up with. Um, I do that like once a week. Okay. I'd say, yeah. And it's never like, oh, I do this on Sundays. It's just when I'm really feeling a lack of masculine presence or um, like I'm really, I know that what I'm needing is like a very strong masculine energy. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of times when we're lacking that in our lives, it's like we just get so frustrated because we, like we naturally crave that. We naturally, naturally want to be filled up by the divine masculine, you know? So, I mean, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's probably some people who don't, but, um, speaking for myself. Yeah. For yeah. sure. But I will say if you haven't worked through sexual trauma in your life, or you may have some repressed sexual trauma, um, this practice can be very healing, but also very triggering. So it's really important that, um, triggering how, um, because you're, you, you're carrying so much pain in your woman yoni. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for me, just having so many men's hands there when, as a little girl, um, feeling so violated, like my Yoni was still carrying that. And so it felt very tight and very closed. Um, and so did my womb. And so it felt, it almost felt like I was violating myself in a way. So it's very important to like state your intention to speak to your Yoni, to, um, speak to your wand and to use it like intentionally. So you're not doing it for the pleasure even, or for the orgasm, you're doing it for the healing and using the pleasure and orgasm, which is a great perk to like, uh, solidify it all to, yeah. Yeah. Bring it into your body. What was the in-between part though, from getting to processing your trauma and dealing with it to this practice? Because it's not like you just all of a sudden one day are able to do that. Yeah. Because I'm sitting here listening to it and I'm like, I, I don't think I'm capable of having eight to, eight to 10 orgasms. Like, so I immediately go to that and I feel like, well, I'm fucking inadequate. So I have, you know, just this moment of like, all right. Um, like, I don't, I like, I, I bet there's people listening to that are like, oh, I can't do that, you know? And like, so I don't know, I don't know how to get there. You know, yeah. like, I guess you just start doing the practice and trust, you know. Yeah. And that's something that I can work with people on in sessions, but it's a lot of questions around our relationship with worthiness, our relationship with pleasure, Mm -hmm. um, our relationship with our yonis and why those stories come up. Um, And uh, to get, I can bring us to like the situation I had last night, um, but to give a bit of a background, um, both my parents were uh, alcoholics when I was a kid, very, very abusive. Um, they were teenagers. I don't have a relationship with my father now because he's still, um, a predator. He's still, uh, not a, not a safe 
person for wow. me to have in my life. And they had you really young? Mm-hmm. Yeah, teenagers. Um, my mom, I love very, very much. Uh, I forgive her. And I, I know that she just didn't have the tools. So everything I say about my mother um, is not who she is today. Um, but as a kid, they were both very, very abusive. Uh, some of the sexual trauma I worked through last year was confusion around because I was having these memories come up through plant medicine where I was having sexual experiences with my father. And it was very confusing because he is a sexual predator. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I didn't think that him and I had anything. But I do know that I did watch them have sex a lot at like age three. And I would mimic it with my dolls. And so I started having orgasms at like age three. Wow. Yeah. Um, so the sexual trauma that felt like mine at that time, because my nervous system was still so commingled with my mom's at three, mm-hmm. um, he would beat her to where she would go unconscious or to where she would start crawling on the floor like a child in front of me. And then he would have sex with her. Oh my and God. because my nervous system was so commingled with hers, it felt like it was happening to me. So there was that. And then, um, oh. all, yeah. And then all of the abuse, you know, he went to jail at five. He was in and out. Um, until I was about 15 and then cut off all contact. Um, but the abuse beca- um, continued with my mother and the sexual abuse with other family members. And there was just never, there was never a time in my life that I felt worthy. There was never a time in my f- life that I felt safe to play or safe to have pleasure. Like um, everything f- was so um rooted in shame and in not belonging and were you sexually active? No, I was very prude. Very, very prude. Um, I always had a lot of boyfriends, but I did nothing sexual mm-hmm. with them. Um, I actually was, uh, I left home at, started leaving home at 10, running away and at 14 left for good, lit, dropped out of school, lived in my car, uh, slept on benches, worked two jobs. I was a newspaper girl at night, waitress during the day. And at 16, um, a youth pastor adopted me and they were, um, they, again, just like my mother, I forgive them. They didn't have the tools. They, they thought they were doing what was best, but they, and they took me off the streets. They saved my life, likely. Um, Very suicidal. They saved my life in more ways than one. But they were very dogmatic in their religion. And I was thrown into this living on the streets. I was my only authority to this. I have no say. I can't even like think for myself. And um, they basically at age 17 told me, this is the man God has for you. Um, This is when y'all are allowed to kiss, when you're allowed to get married, like all this stuff kind of laid it out for me. So I married that man since he was, um, and I mean, I know now looking back, I could have said no, but I likely would have lost this like Like family. Right. And they were the first ones to ever, um, like give me my, like, give me my own room, like ask me about school. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. in my head, it's like anything they say is for my own good. And also this man, to me was gold. Like he would have never hit me, would have never, like we ended up being married two and a half years. He never raised his voice at me once, never called me a name. Uh, Very, very loyal. And so um, to me, it was all like, wow, 
what a blessing, you know, Mm -hmm. but I end up marrying him and, um, he's the first person that I willingly have sex with. Um, but because we had purged ourselves of any sexual drive, um, we were married for two and a half years, probably only had sex a dozen times. And it was very, um, uh, disconnected because we were so disconnected from our bodies and our pleasure. Wow. So that brings in a lot of religious shame too. Mm-hmm. Um, so bringing it to last night, uh, I wanted to say a bit of the history so that last night could make sense. Um, last night, my, so my fourth job is I raise money for nonprofits and it's all over Texas. So last night I worked for a nonprofit up near Oklahoma, which meant I didn't get home until 3.30 in the morning because I had to drive round trip. And as I was arriving home, I thought my inner critic came up and it was like, why would you book a guest interview spot on a podcast tomorrow when you knew you were only going to get five hours of sleep? You already struggle with being articulate and intellectual. Like now you're really going to suck, you know, like now you're just going to stumble and nothing's going to make sense. And I just, this inner critic was just like going crazy at me. And I feel like it's really popular and I've done it a lot as well. I've even interviewed someone on the podcast that, um, special, like, like this is their niche, but I, I think it's really popular to like silence the inner critic and just, you know, tell him like, I'm Jade fucking Bryce. Who do you think you are? You know, and like yeah. go at war with him instead of, and then he doesn't go away though. He just gets louder, you know, mm-hmm. cause he's not being heard. And so you know, using that thought of internal family systems, that form of therapy, last night it occurred to me like, God, you're always showing up and saying the same thing in different ways. And so instead of telling them to shut up, I said, who are you trying to protect? Like, obviously this is fear-based. Shame is a lie. Who are you trying to protect? And he said, you. And I thought, in that moment, I thought, when he's talking to me, because it is a male voice, Mm. when he's talking to me, um, I feel unworthy. I feel disheartened and I don't feel smart. And so I told those three emotions, like, can you sit to the side? I'll tend to you in a moment. Right now I'm going to have a talk with him. You guys sit to the side. I'll be right with you. So like that way I could clear my (laughs) emotions and try to be more unbiased. And so I asked the inner critic, I said, um, okay, you're trying to protect me from what? And he said, because if I can make you think you're stupid and if I can make you feel unworthy, then you'll try harder. You'll read all the books, you'll take all the courses, and then you won't make us out to be idiots. So really he was trying to protect me. Um, So in that moment, I felt compassion for him and told him, okay, I'll be right back. I'll be right with you. (laughs) And then I went to my emotions over here. And I said, um, how old are you? And they said 10. And right in that moment, I saw myself as a 10 year old girl, just about to be 11. Um, my mom's boyfriend's parents had just gotten me a puppy and my mom was very rarely home at this time. Uh, and I don't know why I was naked. I don't know why. I, I know it was late. It was late at night. Must have been getting ready for bed. But I know I was naked and my mom came home and she barged in my room and she saw dog poop on the floor. 
And I didn't even notice it yet. So he must have just done it. She's all dog poop on the floor. And my mom was such a violent woman. Like she would come home sometimes and just grab me and my sister's heads and like start <gasps> banging them together. Like you never knew. You never knew what oh what she, what uh, was coming home. Yeah. So she came in. And anytime my mom came home, it was like because you pins and needles. Yeah, I'm sure. right. Or so I, I, of course, tightened up and she grabbed me by my hair and she started banging my face into the dog poop. And so Ugh. the dog poop and I kind of remembered this. I kind of remembered this. But when it came up last night, I like went there. I was like there with the 10 year old. I was watching it happen. And so she's banging my face into this dog poop. and you know, screaming all these words at me. And I'm trying to fling myself off of her. It's getting my eyes, my mouth, my nose. So I'm like trying to fling myself from her. And I fling my body onto this mattress and I'm still naked. So I fling my body onto this mattress. And when I, when I flung onto it, my legs opened and she said, close your legs. You think I want to see your disgusting pussy? That's disgusting. Like, it's like, so not only was she like, um, she was repulsed by me, but she was also repulsed by like my most sacred part, you know, and calling it disgusting. So she's like, you know, has more to say, more to do, hits me a couple more times, leaves the room. And then I get in the shower. So I'm watching my 10 year old. She gets in the shower and she's um, letting the the water like wash it off. And it's just going down her body. And she's, she's not even crying. Like a lot of times I didn't cry when my mom beat me. I just sat or I just stood. It was a coping mechanism. I'm sure you just shut down. I was so out of my body because my body was in a safe place. And that's why, um, that's why I have a lot of my intuitive or psychic abilities is because I have that tear in my aura where I was out of my body. I was in another realm a lot of the time. So I'm watching the 10 year old, the poops going, you know, coming from her face, running down her body. And there's no expression. There's no emotion. And I, me, my wise woman now sitting out the side the shower and I have my warm towel ready for her. And she gets out and I just wrap her up and I just tell her, you are so loved. You're so worthy. You're so beautiful. Um, and, um, I'm just now integrating it now. So good. Go ahead. (laughs) You know, Um, I have two daughters and just thinking of it, just thinking of you, thinking of them and it just, yeah, it's a lot to process, Jade. I'm not crying because of the pain. I'm crying because of the beauty of this moment. <laughs> it is beautiful. Yeah. That you t- took that, that you remembered that and were able to well, be there for yourself. Yeah. So um, I was holding her in the warm towel, telling her she's beautiful and telling her she's worthy. And I told her, like, where I'm at in life now, I feel so worthy. Like I wear a bracelet that says worthy and I believe it. <laughs> I was wondering what it said. Yeah. And you can come be with me now. You don't have to stay here. You don't have to be in this dangerous place anymore. You can come be with me and I'll take care of you and I'll love you and you'll feel worthy. And I, you know, I, I spoke all of this over her oh. and, um, and really felt her relief like really felt her body like loosen. And then um, I went back to that inner critic (laughs) and I said, like, look, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to do this. You don't have to convince me I'm unworthy to do the work. I do the work from a place of worthiness actually. And so you don't have to say these things um, out of fear. 
you don't have to worry about my intellectualism or my articulation because I speak from heart wisdom and uh, it's okay. You can, mm-hmm. you can let go. And I did, I felt from him confusion and shock, but also relief. And then an instant feeling of, well, let me find something else. <laughs> and I just told him like, okay, well, when you do, we'll work through that one too. And I'm thankful that you're my ally in, in finding these places. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Um, so that that was last night at like three, um, three in the morning as I was getting home. And then I was asleep within 30 minutes and had a very interesting dream after that. So um, still interpreting all of that today. But yeah, that is... Um, there was a question you asked me that led to that. Oh, you asked, how did I get from that right. a sexual oppression to being able to have eight to 10 orgasms? It's a lot of work like that where I'm going in and those parts of myself, because we have so many parts to so that 10-year-old self who couldn't be in her body. I'm bringing her back into my body yeah. and back home because it's impossible to have eight to 10 orgasms if you're not in your body. You have to be able to be so present with yourself and you also have to feel worthy of the pleasure. And so many of us are disconnected from pleasure because we simply don't feel worthy. We've all, like, even with our partners, we feel so rushed or we feel, um, I feel worried. I'll tell him too. I'm like, I am now I'm like thinking you're getting bored. This is taking too long. You know, you want to be doing something else. And he was like, I don't want to be anywhere else. And I'm like, okay. You know, and like for me to really trust that is a leap for me to really, to really believe that and know that this person doesn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah. So I think that if we can really start to treat our own yonis and speak to them as if they're like portals to God, they are a throne that these men can worship at and access God from, then it takes that away. But we have to like really, um, we have to really find it in our own pleasure practice before we can find it with a partner. I do think though that doing practices with a partner like yoni gazing where they sit in front of you and they just gaze at your yoni and they speak after. So something that um, my partner did is he said like 10 affirmations and he said, tell me which one you get a response from. And it was, you are safe with me. And then he said that over and over and over while giving me a yoni massage and just speaking beauty over my yoni. So there's that. Um, and then the massage is just the massage or did it result in sex? No, it result it's, in- it's, it's, per- it's, there's a purpose with it of no, um, if an orgasm happens, fine. You don't need to be resisting it, mm-hmm. but that is not um, the purpose of the practice. And it's very important too, that you just receive. They're, um, and it's a, a really important aspect for a man in this to grasp is that to be so cautious and make sure that she feels safe. So I would suggest that in the beginning, instead of actually touching her, just put your hands above her yeah. and say, does this feel okay Yeah, because a lot of you? guys will just go right in and you're like, ah. Yeah, they, well, because they've watched porn so much, you know? <laughs> well, and they like that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're basically like, yeah. I mean, so just if I can give my, my man, hand on your dick, that's what, yeah. that kind of what they do, you know? So they don't understand that we need it a little different. If I can give any man a tip right now for that, it's read all of, at the, there's a book called Woman's Anatomy of Pleasure, and I highly recommend it for women. It's a slow start 
Mm-hmm. Probably <laughs> intentional. It's a slow start, but by chapter five, it's freaking amazing. Okay. So that book, that book and the and the book Pussy. Okay. In that middle point, those books, like reading those and really um, speaking to my own body and then doing practices like this with my partner, that's how I got to the point that I'm at Great. right now. But I can say for men, women reading a woman's, woman, uh, woman's Anatomy to Pleasure is very helpful. But men, they're at the end of every chapter, there's hot tips for men. Mm-hmm. And then the last chapter is strictly for men. That, that Those tips are so important. And I can promise you that if you follow these tips, you will awaken like an animal in your woman and a, in a way that is uh, very goddess-like and it's very healing. So um, going back to the yoni practice, if he puts his hands over that area and just says, is this okay? Does this feel safe? And then touching just on the top, like lightly, don't ever, and this book talks about that too, like don't ever just go in. Don't ever like stick your finger in during this yoni massage. It's very important that with each step you're asking, does this feel okay? Does this, do you want me to do this? And you're like, it's, you're literally taking walls off of her pussy, like walls that have been built up to protect. And also the fact that you're spending the time, because it is like a 45 minute practice, Mm -hmm. spending the time and the gentleness and the intentionality and the affirmations it is so, so healing. And so receiving that from your partner and then receiving it from yourself really removes that feeling of, well, I might stink today or um, I'm too tired, so I'm going to take too long because you honestly feel like you're about to access God. Like, you know, it's <laughs> like you're giving them a gift. You're giving them a gift. They're not, it's it's an equal exchange, you know? Yeah, it does. Um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, it, and, 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 you know, I'm glad you mentioned those things because instantly I still was like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and I have a great partner. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but, um, I still have those moments. I'm like, does he really want to spend 45 minutes doing yeah. that? And then, you know, what's in it for him? And, you know, just those things come up. And I know that's probably my own worthiness because mm-hmm. that's one of my biggest struggles. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I will say too, I've dated, um, you know, I used to be in the MMA industry and yeah. it's, I don't know why every fighter I dated also was a sex addict, but they, I couldn't like pry them off me after 45 minutes. Like they, um, they were obsessed with it. And that made me, that did not make me feel worthy because I could tell that they were not um, wanting me to have an orgasm for me, it was an, it was for their ego. Like how many orgasms they could give me was like for their own, like, yeah, turn them on that they were turning me on, but mm-hmm. ultimately it was really for them. So it's, it's really a different, it's like, an interesting distinction. Yeah. It's a different mm-hmm. experience and worthiness when you're with a conscious partner mm-hmm. who, um, is able to meet you in the depths of you and see you for the goddess that you are and celebrate your divinity. Yeah. Rather than um, a man using you as almost like a sex tool, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that came up for me today that I think is interesting in this conversation is um, just like you were talking to your inner critic or whatever you called him. Does he have a name? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, 
what can, when when I was doing some work around this this morning and thinking about it, I had a quick flash of oh, I hate that about myself, mm. and it was about these moments of feeling unworthy and when I get like that. And I was like, Ooh, there's something right there that I need to get into yeah. because um, I challenged myself in that moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Instead of saying, I hate this about myself. Can I say, I love this about myself. Mm-hmm. And can you, can you even just love those spots? And I've found that to be a really interesting challenge. And just talking about this right now, talking about, okay, I am very much on the verge of tears this entire conversation now, mm. apparently, but it's bringing up a lot. Right. And so, you know, even those spots where I say, Oh, he's, I'm, I'm, I'm in that space of thinking this person's bored. This person does, you know, can I lean into, okay, Hey, you know what? I see those about myself. I see those things coming up. Mm-hmm. Can I give that inner child? Can I give that critic? Can I mm-hmm. give whatever is saying that in me some love? Yeah, and hear it, and I think part of like that love is just simply, like you said, not silencing it, but actually just listening because that's such a loving thing to do, Mm -hmm. to just love and go, oh, okay, you you think you hate this part of yourself? I'm not sure who said that. Whatever, I love you. Let's go into that part that you're talking about and say and say that's okay. Love that part. That's part of who you are and part of your growth and part of your healing. Yeah. And that's going to be the thing that pushes you into the next phase. Right. If you're willing to listen to it. Yeah. And that that inner critic or that um, you know, place of fear, that part of fear that's coming up is fear. And fear is always there to protect us. But if we can meet that fear with truth or love guess who's always going to win, you know, and it's not about winning, but it takes the power away from the fear, you know? And, and I think also, um, a good question that I like to always ask is when was the very first time I felt this? When was the first time I believed this about myself? Mm -hmm. And that is, that's often when the age comes up and then all of a sudden the memory comes up. Um, another thing that I have noticed because of with the um, common theme of like silencing the inner critic, we can ask like, where do I feel this in my body? For most women, I often feel it's in the womb space. Yeah. Um, our intuition, you know, um, our sexuality, our creativity. And so we can ask like, where in my body do I feel this? And then we can connect to it with our hands and we can, and we can, we can do like, there's two things that I like to do with it. One, I like to um, allow my prefrontal cortex, which is like our decision maker. It's our, mm-hmm. it's our comparison. It's where we decide that it's our judgment place, the good versus bad, <laughs> which is us versus them. You know, it's all the places that, you know, we don't really want to be. It's not a place of connection. So I like to go to my prefrontal cortex and think, um, judge the shit out of this feeling, like allow myself to have a temper tantrum towards it. Like tell it all the reasons why I don't accept it and why I don't judge, why I don't, um, um, find worthiness or belonging based off of this. And then I like to take a deep, deep, a deep breath and drop into my heart space and feel the difference and feel acceptance from my heart space and really just allow space for the feeling. And when you can do those two, um, 
those two emotions from those two different places, those two responses from those two different places, you feel such a different response in your womb space. And you also, um, you'll notice like when you're in your prefrontal cortex, your whole body feels tense, like your womb feels tense. And then when you go in your heart space, you feel open. And if we, if, if we can continue to do this every time we get in our prefrontal cortex and we're judging the shit out of ourselves, and then we actively choose to drop into our heart space, we create that new neural pathway Mm -hmm. that becomes the new habit. And then all of a sudden, as soon as we go there, we go here, you know? So there's that. The other thing is if, if the emotions in the womb space, I can tell it, I cannot accept it. I can tell it, no, 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 you're not allowed to feel this. You know, you can't feel anger, suppress the anger and you can feel the, the tension. You can feel the, um, tightness in your whole body. I feel like it's like a pulling back. Like yeah. Pulling and imagine in, living like, life from that place. Imagine being a, a girlfriend do. and a mother from that place, Mm-mm. from that place of contraction. No, I don't. Contraction. Good yeah. word. Yeah. But then. See, just, you're doing great with the words. <laughs> <laughs> but then just tell the feeling. Yes. Yes. I accept you. Yes. I accept you. Anger. When you really allow space for the anger, it actually doesn't really need to do much. It just needed to be accepted and felt mm-hmm. and fully allowed. And when you And there's something else underneath that, which is the fear. And it's yeah, just like dissipating. But that, spot, that place comes from such expansion mm-hmm. and acceptance. And then imagine living from that place, you know? And it's um it's allowing ourselves to be in our full expression without shame, you know? And my boyfriend always says, especially here lately, that he feels like he has like three different girlfriends, especially like since you first met me. I mean, look at the situation a year ago with my sexuality to who I am now. It's a completely different girlfriend almost. And in my head, I'm like, well, isn't that fun? You've had so many girlfriends. <laughs> like such a variety. You're welcome. Yeah. Who knows what's to come? <laughs> yeah. But I think that um, we've been taught that we can only have like one expression. Like we have to be in one box. We box ourselves in. This is who I am. Right. This is my identity. Mm -hmm. Calm or whatever it is, you know? And if we can just allow ourselves to feel it all. And something I've been doing is um, playing that song, Bitch. Do you remember it? Uh, I'm a bitch. bitch. I'm I'm a lover. lover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Meredith something. Yeah, something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I don't love all of the lyrics. It says like, I hate the world. You know, I change some of the lyrics, but... I'll like dance and sing my heart out to that song and like address the part for how I'm feeling that day. If I feel like crummy, I'll put on a trash bag. Like I'll dress the part and I'll allow myself to feel the full emotion and allow myself to feel that I'm all these complexities without shame. And I can honestly say that, you know, a year or two ago, I did not have any self-acceptance. I thought that I did, but it was a it was more of an accept. It was, it was a form of self denial because I was always fixing myself. I was always I was doing the work from a place of self denial because I was telling myself that I was broken. You know, um, I can tr- I can honestly say that right now where I'm at, I feel full acceptance. I think that's the word. That's the word. That's mm-hmm. what we were getting to. Mm-hmm. It's about. Uh, accepting those spaces and saying, mm-hmm. this is where I am right now. I love it all. Mm-hmm. It is all God. I mean, it is. Yeah. God created everything it is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm able to sit in that space of self-acceptance, which is an interesting thing because um, 
it, it truly is worth accepting because it's creating, or maybe creating is not the right word. It is a part of the interesting story that is our life. Mm-hmm. And it provided you to sit here right now a year from then Mm -hmm. and say, look at this interesting journey. Mm -hmm. And then it inspires people and go, okay, you you sitting in that space? Okay, look, you know, Mm -hmm. because if we were already all there, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be that interesting at all. Right. (laughs) Yeah. If we had a choice to just be happy all the time or to feel every variety of emotion, most of us would choose every variety of emotion, but we live as if we want to be happy all of the time, you know? And also, um, what a funny thing it yeah. is. It's true. And being able to come from a place where I accept all emotions is so freeing. Cause if you think about, I'm sure you can relate. If you think about our childhoods, we weren't really allowed to have bad moods. Like most children are not allowed to have bad moods They're held to a standard of like no bad attitudes, you know, most, not all. Um, like no temper tantrums. It's like they, they, um, at least for me as a kid, I wasn't allowed to show any emotion, like excitement or oh, wow. uh, fear. And so now wow. for my kids, um, you know, when they feel angry, we beat the crap out of pillows with ba- plastic bats, you know, like we fully express our emotions. And I think that that um, is something that like conscious parenting is like really becoming like we, all of us know what it feels like all of us are at least hearing about it now. All of us are, um, even people who aren't necessarily on that path, they at least have heard the term mm-hmm. back when our parents, like there was no, no. there was no toolbox for them. No. And know? my parents were really older too. So mm. mine are way far back from yours. You know, my parents mm-hmm. were born in 1936. They didn't have oh, wow. that. I know they both passed away now. My mom was born in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably like five years older than me. Um, so yeah, it, it's, uh, they really, really didn't. They came from a completely different school of thought. And so it's interesting to have kids now and, and be able to do these things that we practice. And, um, and that was kind of why I asked, like, do your kids know about your pleasure practice? And mm. I'm curious, like, when you share that with them and stuff, because I've shared this on the podcast before my daughter would be horrified, Mm -hmm. uh, but she doesn't listen. So, um, but anyway, like I'm pretty open with them about sex toys Uh and their own pleasure. Cause I have two girls, 16 and 12. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So my 12 year old, not so much anymore, but when she expresses interest, I will be. And like last year, my daughter, you know, accidentally, I, I was single at the time and I had left one in my bed and, and she was like, Oh, and then I was like, this is a moment. And I was like, it's nothing to be ashamed of, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I was able to say, if you want something of your own too, let's figure it out. You yeah. know, you can go on Amazon and we can start, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that's nothing that ever should be shameful. And so I just got conscious about what I was teaching them. That's why I asked, yeah. that's why I asked that about yours too. So, um, I try to keep, um, keep it light because they don't want too much of that information from yeah. me right now, but you know, someday maybe. Yeah. I really want to get a sex positive, um, parenting expert on the show. Um, I've contacted one cause that's something I really want to, um, that I'm actively navigating. I know that because there's such a, uh, uh, there's got to be boundaries, you know, because I know for sure, I know, especially with boys, cause I have a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. I have multiple friends that struggled with sex addiction or porn addiction 
because their mom was so open with them about her sexuality that they, it was, um, there's a, Carl Jung calls it, um, something incest. Uh, the term slipped my mind, but, um, it's like Concord incest. Something sounds like something like that where a woman, um, is too open with her son about her sexuality and kind of projects onto him almost like a, um, like a partner. Almost. Yeah. yeah. I've heard of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Emotionally. And, um, and also just like the son feeling like he has to protect her from this, uh, cause it's natural for a son to experience that. And, um, seeing so many, and I've interviewed, interviewed a few on the podcast too, that have experienced this and it led into some of their addictions, um, because wow. it was very confusing. I definitely want to have the line and the boundary while also making sure that there is no sexual shame, no body shame. Um, I know for my daughter, it's easier for me to navigate than for my son. Sure. Um, I know for her, when she starts her period, we're going to have a womb party and we're going to celebrate her initiation into womanhood. It's not going to be a thing of shame where so many of us disconnect from our bodies even more when we start a period because it's painful and, you know, we possibly bleed through and that's embarrassing. So I'm going to be very intentional about that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the funny part is my kids want no part of that. I mean, my 12 year old like doesn't even like, I'm like, we need to talk about it. You know, you're like starting to have cramps every month. Yeah. I think it's coming. Mom. And I'm like, all right, I, think, I honor that. If you yeah. don't want to talk about, you know, like they're just. Oh, well, I started talking about road. it really young with them. Um, yeah, God, I bet you've done a great job already. I, I really mean, do. I, 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 I've tried. <laughs> We're all just trying. But We're they know trying. like every time it's a full moon, they're like, oh, mom's bleeding. It's a full moon. Mom's <laughs> bleeding. She's like, and they, you know, they know I do witchy stuff with the blood. So like they're to them. What do you do with the blood? Well, there's so many things you can do. I'm still. Sure. Um, I heard it's great for plants. Yeah, you can dilute it with water, mm-hmm. water your plants. Um, oh, that's great. I, I, I don't have a period. I have an IUD. Oh, okay. So it's not yeah, a Yeah, my period is a really sacred time for me of going inward. And uh, I don't know if you've read Women Who Run With the Wolves. They talk about sure. it in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I try. Me and my partner are living separately at the moment because mm-hmm. of mold. But I try during that time to lean on him for as much support in cooking and all of that stuff so that I could have as much rest as possible. I try to do most of my work from bed, just uh, allowing my body more rest. I try to not be on social as much. Like I try to set a lot of boundaries for me of a time of shedding Mm -hmm. and a time of intentions. Um, As far as using the blood, that's beautiful. Can I just say that's so beautiful that you're so intentional and in tune with it? Well, we've lost that. Oh, we've lost that tradition, but women used to go and have, ceremonies every time they bleed they would pour the blood on people as a ritual like as an initiation it was sacred Mm -hmm. and it was a time of prayer and going inward and they were absent from all of their duties during that time you know Mm -hmm. we don't live in that culture now but i have no shame in like if a man uh you know is talking to me about work i have no shame in saying i'm i'm bleeding so um, I'm taking it easy right now. Like I have no shame in that, but so many of us have, especially with the recent president that we had that, you know, Trump's his own person, but he, um, you know, he had made comments about a woman bleeding and, a and that, you know, there went the memes, you know? So, um, there's that, the intentionality there. Um, I definitely, 
definitely work with my ancestors a lot um, daily, but especially on my bleed, I call them in uh, in my ritual. Um, and what is that? Can we just speak to that just for a second? Like when you say daily, even what is that? I feel really disconnected from that. From and my ancestors, yeah, and um, and I think it's really cool with your family background that you are connected with your ancestors mm-hmm. because I think it would probably be really easy for you to be like, you know, like yeah. to disconnect yourself from that in some way. So it's very interesting that you don't, that mm-hmm. you really make that a big part of yourself and your practice. It's been really healing because the way I see it is these ancestors of mine who practice plant medicine and did the work and were healers, they were doing the work for me, you know, yeah. and I still chose my parents to inflict all of this pain and their pain so that I could break the curses. And that was all planned by my ancestors. You know, my soul chose it. So that takes away a lot of the the pain in itself Yeah, because to me, I'm a curse breaker, you know, and like that. yeah. And, and for my children, you know, to think about their children. So if my ancestors did that work and then here I am, and the work I'm doing today, think about the, my future generations, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, as a mother, um, some of my hardest work has been forgiving myself for who I chose as their father because of his addictions. And I had to apply that there. My children chose their father because it's how we break the curses for our generations. It's how we do it. Um them choosing to not pass on those curses because I teach them because my children need everything that my children have everything they need for their healing because they have me as a mother who does healing work. Yeah. So with addictions running in their family, me teaching them that we're stopping it here, you know? And so that's helped me and a lot of forgiveness towards myself and a lot of forgiveness towards my own parents. Um, But when it comes to connecting to ancestors, that's something that I work with in people in sessions as well is how to meet their ancestors, which are really our guides. Mm -hmm. Um, I have four, but three that I'm really active with. Um, But I do I do an exercise with people to call them in, to meet them, to get gifts from them, um, things like that, to find out what the blockages are um, generationally that may be trapped keeping them from feeling that connection mm-hmm. um when i when i sing to call them in um there's a different sensation that comes through my body and then um and then i can sit with them and i can hear messages from them oftentimes and i do this with my yoni as well i was going to say um when i like really need a question should i take this course or should i take this shift or whatever it is should i cut off this friendship um, should I continue this? I all ask them and I hear it's always a unanimous decision. Like they're always in alignment. Um, and I very, a very robust team of ancestors. Like I have a, um, a, that does not surprise me about you. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know, 20% Aztec Indian. So I have one Aztec native American woman who, uh, served ayahuasca and was a healer and a singer. And she sings through me and, um, She's the sweetest old lady. She's so playful, even in her old, old age. She's like, when you see her, you can't help but smile, you know? And then I have Mary Magdalene, who a lot of people feel are their guides, uh, are a guide for them right now. Mm -hmm. because She's very active in what's going on today. 
you know, where we're reclaiming our sexuality and, and our sovereignty and um, being able to feel that men don't own our bodies and that our sexuality belongs to us. You know, that's her work. Um, merging sexuality with spirituality, that's her work. And that is so needed right now. So of course, every a lot of people feel she's their guide because mm -hmm. she's needing us to continue her work. So she's um, she's one of my guides. And she was there all along. Um, you know, my grandmother, um, uh, the Aztec, Native American, she showed up for me when I was three. And I told my mother, and my mother didn't discredit me because my mother totally believed in spirits. And so when I told her that, she confirmed for me that it was an ancestor. And because that was confirmed for me at three instead of discredited by, oh, it's your imagination. It's your imaginary friend. Jade has an imaginary friend. Uh -huh. I never shut it off. And so I always was able to really hear from them, but just didn't know that they were my guides, you know? Wow. Mm -hmm. Um which also opened me up to a lot of other spirits where I had to learn energetic boundaries um, because, because I have that channeling ability um, in the fourth dimension. My highest function is the fifth dimension, mm -hmm. but because I have access to the fourth dimension, a lot of spirits show up, were showing up, um, wanting to use my channeling abilities. And I had to shut it down and get that boundary and say, I'm not available for this. Mm -hmm. Maybe later, right now, I'm only available for the fifth dimension where my guides reside. Um, so really being clear on my boundary and what I'm available for. Um, Mary Magdalene, though, uh, Guadalupe showed up off and on. Um, that's how you say her. I can't even say her name in the in her native tongue, but this is how you say it in, in, in um, Spanish. So, yeah. Um, Mary Magdalene, though, she was always there. And it's so interesting because there are times that it didn't make sense that I stayed alive. It didn't make like the times that I slept on benches and in Greyhound bus stations. And when I've gone back there in plant medicine, I saw how she protected me. And she's always been there and always given me messages and always put me in these situations where she was protecting me. And um, now I feel so much power in that. I feel so protected. And I, I grew up with so much fear of zero protection spiritually because of my access to those, uh, that world and from my parents. Like I never felt protected. I always felt living in fear. Right. So now um, I really feel from my ancestors that they're always like, I honestly, I, I, it's such a freeing feeling because I used to fear even being alone in a home. Because it just, I had had so much trauma that it wasn't safe to be alone. And now um, I can literally feel them with me. And it's such a, it's not a crutch. It's not, um, it's not an imaginary like psychic, you know, it's, it, I don't know what word to use for that. But um, I guess I can, the only thing to really say is like, when you know, you know, you know, when mm -hmm. you experience it. But that is something I work with people on calling in their guides and connecting to their guides. Um, the last time I did ayahuasca, um, I actually was stung by a scorpion twice on my ring finger. During it? Yeah, during it. So wow. it was a um it was a <laughs> was that ceremony for initiation into shamanic song, mm -hmm. which is when Guadalupe said, like, yes, I've been waiting to sing through you. <laughs> and I can hear her when she sings. I can hear when she shows up, my voice changes. Um and uh for those who are familiar with Icaros, 
it's, you know, the woven shamanic patterns, uh, patterns like I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. So, um, when, uh, when you see like shamanic tapestries and there's like that woven design, mm-hmm. they wove that while singing song and that's called an Ikaro. A shamanic song is called an Ikaro. So cool. I was on ayahuasca being, um, initiated into the shamanic song and looked down on my body and I was covered in Ikaros. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like my whole body was just Ikaros, the the designs. Yeah. And then I got stung by a scorpion twice. And uh, it was hurt like hell. And I tried to be really calm, but I snapped everybody out of their experience. But um, in that moment, in that moment, <laughs> it was yeah. so Marvel-like. It was so like Spider-Man-like. Like I felt like I, I received this like... Um, scorpion medicine well that venom goes in you i've been stung on my oh, yeah. hand before right here and i just remember feeling it up my arm yeah like, and the ring finger has the artery that goes up to your heart as well wow but and that's now, where you got stung yeah twice in yeah. the same spot yeah <sighs> and uh the you know after that ceremony any time i sensed a spirit or a presence or sensed feeling not safe I, it sounds so silly, but just like that Spider-Man feeling, like I literally felt like, like my scorpion tail, like there. And so there's all these feelings of protection that I didn't used to have and safety that I didn't used to have. And, um, I'm extremely thankful for all of the tools and all of the community here in Austin, because think about how blessed we are with all of the trauma we have. Imagine if we didn't have access to these tools into this community, you know, it's, it's, um, it's been a saving grace and I'm so, so honored to be here and to, to have access to things like ayahuasca. And I can't imagine if, if our parents and our grandparents, you know, yeah. were, had taken available the time. to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many times have you done that? Ayahuasca, maybe like somewhere around 30. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I have a soul connection only with ayahuasca, huachuma and mushrooms. Um, earlier in the year I did combo and my esophagus split three times and I nearly died. Um, I lost six units of blood. If my boyfriend, you mean you were just like barfing up blood essentially out my ears, my nose, my butt, my mouth. Yeah, it was. Oh my God. So did you get rushed to the hospital or luckily it was during snowmageddon. Had it not been during snowmageddon, my boyfriend would have been at work and I would have died to death and I would have bled to death in front of my children. You did it by yourself or? No, I did it with a practitioner, and oh. uh, but I went home and then it happened. Oh, it happened after mm-hmm. the actual experience. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, because it, it uh, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot around that. It's a big topic, but um, it was just too aggressive of a medicine for me. And um, it's I not also. not really my thing. I've done yeah, it. It's very, it's yeah, I also was bulimic in my teen years. Ooh, so yeah. That, that could be triggering. Right. There's that. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, glad you're but okay. I brought that up to say, and then, you know, five yeah. MEO is amazing, but I stopped breathing during that for a few minutes and the shaman had to go find my soul. There's, you know, so it's really important. I, I had, I, I, my breath is a big thing during yeah. that. It's very scary for me because all I can do is really focus on the fact that I need to breathe because mm-hmm. I get really scared that I'm going to stop breathing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I brought that up to say, it's really important that we are intentional about what medicines we have soul agreements with because we're not meant to just throw ourselves into these experiences. And, um, you know, ketamine is really popular in Austin and, uh, I, uh, Huachuma, which is, 
you know, grandfather Wachuma almost feels like a, a guide for me. I feel like he's with I me love at all Wachuma. times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, such a deep connection. And I know I'm going to serve Wachuma at some point, but um, specifically Huachuma is like the medicine I'm meant to work with. But oh, I was on Huachuma and mushrooms. I combined the two and it was um, this like mandala showed up in front of me and there was all these medicines in each part of the mandala. And only mushrooms, Huachuma and ayahuasca were highlighted out to me and beautifully. And and it was just clear that I have a soul agreement with those. None of the others, they're beautiful. They have their purpose and others have their soul agreement with them. But I can't just, oh, you're doing that? Yeah, I'll do it with you. Like. Um, I love MDMA and I, I'll probably work with it again, but I don't have a soul agreement with it. Like this continual work, like I do with these three, um, there was a little piece of ketamine in the mandala and I went into that. And although ketamine is used for trauma therapy and it's very powerful when used in the right setting, it's highly addictive. And a lot of people in Austin are using it. What, what the medicine showed me is a lot of people are using it as escapism, and it's meant to be used for healing mm-hmm. and it's being used for the opposite. And it, and the medicine is grieving that um, because it's not. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not. And so I don't have a soul agreement with ketamine. I had a really awful experience on it myself. It can be very scary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm very intentional. Uh, I think it's super important to be intentional to make sure that you have an agreement and a connection to the medicine. Um, mine are ayahuasca, which is about 30 times, huachuma, maybe like a dozen mushrooms. I've only done like four or five times, which okay. I, I love them. Um, but those are, sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. No, it's, I think that's excellent advice to people to like, just stay really conscious of it all because yeah. I know we're all, t- it's something that's talked about a lot. And a lot of people, I'm just a curious soul. So I'm always like, Oh, well, I better try that, you know? Yeah. And so and um, we want to grow and know? we want to grow and, and we want to open yeah. our minds. And, mm-hmm. and there is something to the people I know that do plant medicines. I do feel, and my, my, my best, this is not the case with my best friend, Tom Shadyak. He has never done plant medicine. I don't even think he's ever had caffeine. And him and I can go deeper than I've ever been able to go with anyone and have a, uh, have a connection intellectually. Sure. They're just tools. Right. They're just but tools. But I will say that my friends that do practice plant medicine and drop in, their mind is so open and their third eye is so open and they're so intellectually stimulating for me. Mm-hmm. And so I do feel like there is, um, I have a lot of reverence for plant medicine for that because I do feel a lot of times like we can have like a cloud over our third eye that prevents us from being able to go deep. And a lot of times plant medicine is like just what we need to remove that. It doesn't mean we need to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the veil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's so important though that the container is yeah. set with a grounding cord. I had a friend that did mushrooms, maybe with a set container, but not with a, someone there as a grounding cord. And she did not come back down. And she was taken to a psych ward and it was a really scary experience. And so I think it's so important, even when just doing mushrooms, someone is there as a grounding cord. This is like not stuff to mess around with. It's stuff to be used sacredly, you know, How's ritually. How's she doing now? Uh, just coming out of it. But it was a long, long journey and very scary. Interesting. Um, because we can get so out of body. Anyone, that's another thing. Anyone can go out of body. It takes a true healer and shaman to be able to bring that person back down. And that person needs to be present in my opinion yeah. and in my experience. 
Wow. Yeah. No, I'm glad you brought that up. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago with someone and um, just a little surface about that though. Yeah. And um, cause I'm very curious about that, you know, because I've been, I've had moments where I'm like, I'm so scared. I'm never going to come back. I'm going to, you know, be committed to something and not be able to take care of my children or something. Mm-hmm. And that has I've not only happened, had God. that when I didn't have a healer or a shaman with me. Okay. Because when a healer or shaman is there, they're singing the eco rose that grounds you back down and set the container and they're holding the space. You mm-hmm. know, the times I felt like I was going to lose my mind and not come back. I, I was not, I, I, I didn't have someone like that there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that's so key. Interesting. Yeah. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I know you have a hard stop today and we're getting close. Yeah. So I want to just, first of all, say thank you for everything that you said today. Yeah. It, it makes me really emotional. It brought a lot up for me in a really good way. And, um, I'm just really grateful. Thank you. Yeah. Cause I know you drove here to show up. You've got somewhere to be yeah. and you were up late last night. <laughs> and so I just thought it was really beautiful Thank and really you. valuable. And I cannot wait to share this. Yeah. Really, really too. stoked Thank to share you. your voice. Thank you so much. Before we go, is there anything that we missed or anything that you really want to share that's just coming up? Um, well, as far as ways to connect, um, I've had a, a Instagram account at the Jade Bryce ever since Instagram was created. I was with Bellator as a ring girl. The moment social media, you know, was created, we had to have an account, you know, it was like mm-hmm. how we promoted the brand. Um, so when Instagram came out, I was, you know, living at the Playboy Mansion for the summer, um, ring girling for Bellator. So my platform on there basically is from that um, time of my life. The I've always posted things that are matters of the heart, um, but I find that now posting things like the podcast and this deep spiritual work, um, I want that page to remain as a bridge, but um, I'm building a new page for people who are just in alignment with that because I'm noticing that on that page, uh, it's just... um, it's not the target audience for it. No, I get it. So yeah, so I built a new page. It's Jade Bryce underscore Sacred Heart. Okay. And the, when I do sessions with people, I call them Sacred Heart sessions. So it's Jade Bryce underscore Sacred Heart. So that's where you can find me if you're in alignment with what we talked about here. Yes. Um, my podcast is Untamed and Unashamed. Uh, this week's episode is JP Sears, and it's really good. Wow. Yeah, great. it's really good. It's it's basically about uh, the, like the unity that's being needed right now Mm -hmm. in this very, uh, divisive time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, the us first them mentality, you know, I'm sure he's got a lot to say about that. (laughs) He did. I was really, um, surprised though, by our conversation. So, um, Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my favorite poets aired last week, Yana Robinson. Um, so yeah, so there's that. And then, um, to work with me, you could just reach out to me on on Instagram and uh, and then as a closing note, um, I would just you know encourage people to I would invite you to um, you know sit with one of those practices and just ask what comes up in your body and to just be present with it instead of pushing it away and. Um, and maybe ask yourself, what is your relationship with pleasure? Mm-hmm. Um, and see what voice comes up. And mm-hmm. instead of telling it to shut up, have <laughs> yes. a conversation. 
Yeah. Right. Or I'll do it later or whatever. Make the time for yeah. it too. Yeah. I know that I need to do that. That's an interesting question for me to explore, yeah. for anyone to explore. Yeah. Like what is your relationship to it? Yeah. And I did a lot of work during the pandemic on that, just personally as myself and without a partner. And it was um, really good for me. I mean, it pushed me into a new level of self-love and... Mm, and as I was dating and seeking a partner, it just really, it really changed yeah. everything yeah. and in Me a, too. in a really good way. And yeah. so, um, this is an interesting next step, yeah. I think, yeah. which, you know, sometimes you're just not sure what the next step is and you just need that push or the right question to ask. Yeah. And that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That. Thank you. Thank you, Jade. Thank you. And thank you for all you shared today. And I, I encourage everyone to go find you, Jade Bryce underscore Sacred Heart for sure. Yes. Not the, right? Just Jade Bryce. No, yeah. Okay. Jade okay, Bryce. cool. Well, good. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, so you. appreciate it. Love thank you. Thank you so much. Very love much. you. Yeah. Yeah. Send Justin my love to you. Oh, I will. <laughs> thank you so much for being here today. Thank you to our guest, Jade Bryce. Remember, you can find her at her new Instagram, Jade Bryce underscore Sacred Heart or at her podcast, Untamed and Unashamed. Go listen, leave a rating review, whatever. That's uh, that's good karma, right? And do it for this show too. If you can, if this spoke to you at all, I would love it if you hit that five stars, leave a review, follow the show, share it with a friend. All those little bitty actions that take literally a minute or two makes such a difference to us. And I am so, so, so grateful. Um, today's affirmation, I bet you can guess. It's an old classic. Um, it is I am worthy. Just like she said, just like she said that came up for her last night that she said she wears on her wrist, that she says she spoke into her um, cervical wand today. I'm worthy. I know it's a classic because we need it. And I do too. I'm worthy. So write it on a post-it note, put it on your mirror, put it on your phone, whatever you need. It'll be on my Instagram too. You can go find it there. I'm at Real Amy Edwards on Instagram and Twitter. And I am the magic babe on TikTok. So I look forward to connecting more with you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, remember that you're worthy, you know, and it's okay to be exactly where you are. I say this as much to you as I do to myself. It's okay to be exactly where you are and to love it unconditionally. To not wait, to not say, I'm going to love and accept myself when I do X, when I finally get that healing done, when I get my life in order, when I get this new venture started, when I lose that weight, whatever it is, when I get that job, mm -mm, mm -mm. it's okay to do it right now, right now, accept it. This is just like we said at the end, this is part of your story. This is part of it. Love it. Love it. And I will too. It's beautiful. You are worthy. I am worthy. We are worthy. It's all so good. I love you so much. And again, thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful. Thanks again to Jade. You can find anything that she mentioned, including the two books in the show notes today. And there are links. Um, if you missed Justin's podcast, Overcome with Justin Wren, uh, please check that out because we had a lot of really, really awesome news to share this week. So it's beautiful. It's a sort of a solo cast, except 
I'm sitting in this chair as well in that show. So um, thank you again for being here. And um, I'm just really grateful. So you're worthy. Um, I'll catch you next week. Until then, peace, love, health, wealth, worthiness, abundance, joy, mm, all the good stuff to you. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this show, please rate and review. It totally matters. And I encourage you to spread the love too and share this episode with a friend if you feel called. 